Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to the Beast Tactical Podcast, where we try to get under the bonnet of all things tactical and statistical at Brentford. I'm David Anderson, your host for today, and joining me for this special two-month Premier League review, I'm kind of getting used to that, are Felix Pate and Jonathan Hope. Felix, first of all, how are you doing and thanks for joining us. Hi David, yeah, nice to be back from my second spell on uh, Beast Tactical. Things have sort of panned out well since my first appearance, so hopefully I'll keep bringing you the good luck with this uh, episode. Yeah, yeah, we had you on for the season previews, sort of season reviews, um, like scouting report type things, and you were brilliant on that. And yeah, everything's kind of gone to plan. We'll um, we'll explore that a little bit further as we go into the pod. But yeah, thanks a lot for joining us. Jonathan, how are you doing, mate? Hi, David. Yeah, thank you so much for having me back on. Um, just, yeah, what an amazing season uh, so far. I know it's only been a few games, but it just feels just an emotional rollercoaster at the moment. And uh, yeah, I just can't wait for more on Sunday. Yeah, exciting times, isn't it? Um, for me personally as well, proposing to my long-suffering girlfriend. Um, yeah, just a crazy emotional rollercoaster of a period. Um, Saturday was the 3-3 draw of Liverpool. Um, that was the end point of the period we're going to recap. Um, what I'm going to try and do... As an intro, is just recap and get to this point, uh, just up to that Liverpool match. Um, I'll just run through quickly, just so we can give everyone a little bit of a, a flavour of what's gone on and getting to this point. Um, Brentford kicked off the season against Arsenal with a 2-0 win. Um, Canos scored first early on. Brentford soaked up a load of pressure and then Orgard got a set-piece goal for um, 2-0 and that kind of suited Brentford sitting back and soaking up pressure and eased out the win in the end and felt good for it. Um, A 0-0 draw of Palace, a very different game, very physical grinded out match. Um, Probably should have nicked it as well and a bit disappointed not to steal the win but the point will do away from home. On to Aston Villa, the second away match in a row which is a 1-1 draw. Tony scored an early goal but almost... Really, Villa came back pretty much immediately through Buendia coming inside and um, bending one into the top corner, um, confusing Rico and Pinnock. Uh, then Brentford went on to lose to Brighton, first loss of the season. Um, a really late goal from Trossard. 
a cruel, cruel finish to the game, which was probably should have just finished nil-nil and be done with. And I think everyone thought it was done. Um, then Brentford went on to away for uh, away win at Wolves, which was uh, another solid performance. Tony scored first um, from the penalty spot, and Bremo made it two. Baptiste was a little bit um, a little bit naive in some of his playing and picked up a second yellow and could have made it a bit a bit tricky for Brentford for the last half an hour but um, if anything Brentford got stronger and I think the situation suited them even more and allowed them to just sit on that lead a little bit more and, and get some chances on the counter-attack and Wolves just looked pretty hopeless even against 10 men and um, so Brentford closed out another 2-0 away win and then on to the, the game which people are calling the game of the season the 3-3 Bre- uh, Liverpool um, shots galore one-on-ones goal-line clearances and what could have been a winner late on if it wasn't for a slight um, call on the officials. But yeah, Wisser equalising to make it 3-3. And yeah, as we were saying in the intro, it has been a bit of a roller coaster. Um God, yeah, who wants to kick us off, guys? What's um <laughs> what's uh, what's caught your what's caught your eye from that period? Yeah, it's just been it's been crazy so far. But I think for me that's that's that stood out has been just our away performances at the moment. Just going to these you know, Palace, Aston Villa, Wolves, and we've competed so well. Um, the Wolves game, we, we battered a side that's really well established. It was in Europe not so long ago. And, um, yeah, the Liverpool game just really tops off just a really nice start to the period where, you know, we looked threatening. We looked like we were going to score goals. Um, we defended for our lives and we just showed like a side that would not lie down. Um and will not be beaten easily. And that just gives us so much heart going forward. Yeah, so the two-month period, um, eight goals scored, four in open play, three set pieces, one pen from Tony. We've conceded five. All five have been from open play. Um, we're one of only three teams still to concede from a set piece, which is pretty impressive. And that's, yeah, that, that's plunked us in ninth position on ninth points, uh, nine points. And I think you have to be honest, I think we look pretty good for it. What do you think, Felix? Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with anything that the two of you have said there. Um, The set pieces especially has been good to see. You know, Brentford have prided themselves on being able to find these marginal gains, being able to find the edges. So to have no goals conceded from set pieces and scoring a couple of really nice ones themselves, you know, the first goal against Liverpool sticks out. It shows that, you know, the process is still being stuck to. Um, they really believe in it as a club and they're getting the results um, as a reward for that and I think it's really good to see I think the the use of a front two it got mentioned a lot on Monday Night Football after the Liverpool game that it caused Liverpool issues at times particularly Joel Matip and I think again it just comes back to not being afraid to do things a little bit outside the box um, and they're not afraid of if it goes wrong people may be um, booing them for it but if it goes right you know as we've seen the rewards can be pretty hefty yeah exactly I, th- I think um having a plan having the confidence to to create a plan then the confidence to execute it and then the ability to to make sure that plan comes to fruition and get get results from it is 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 easier it's easy to say that but actually doing it is um is another thing and Brentford have definitely been guilty of executing a few good plans um, this this first period. Um, a couple of talking points, I guess, for the for the pod and to get us going. Um, I think 
It'd be good to talk about a bit of structure from Brentford. So it's it's beginning to it's well from the back in the last season till now. It's quite recognisable now. This this five three two the three five two system. Um, I think it's a good place to kick us off. What what do you think? Do you think it's here to stay? And do the positives mainly outweigh any benefits? Or what do you think, guys? I think so, David. If I'm being completely honest, I think it is here to stay because I think it gives us um, a structural balance um, from back to front. Um, it allows us to go back into a five at the back when we're in a medium to low block or, or just a low block. But then it also allows us to be more expansive. And with the personnel we have, especially with Christopher Iyer, he's allowed to get up and underlap with Canos and try and try and um, isolate that right-hand side. Um, and yeah, I think it just gives us a little bit more balance. And of course, when things aren't perhaps going to plan, I remember three two down away at Liverpool, at home to Liverpool, sorry. Um, we were able to kind of change it for the first time this year. We went for a 3-4-3 and kind of opened ourselves up a bit. And um, that's probably the way for how we can kind of um, interpret this formation. Yeah, Felix, I know you're a fan of the three at the back system as well. Um, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting um, to see that they they have stuck with it because we did mention last time I was on about the the flexibility that Brentford has shown between sort of the four at the back and the three at the back, but it, it does look like it's here to stay for the time being, and I think that's a good thing. I think if you've got the personnel to do it, you should definitely um, go forward with it because getting the most out of players, you know, Sergi Canos seems to have almost been rejuvenated in this sort of right wing back role. You've got a competent front two who are really good playing off each other. Um, and there's now three centre backs who all seem to fit comfortably into that back line. So I think it's definitely one that if you've got the personnel, it's a really nice option against a lot of teams in the Premier League. Will mostly go to a four-four-two as a sort of uh, sorry a four-three-three as a, a default formation. So if you can sort of mix that up, still match them with the three in midfield, but have two strikers up against their two centre backs and sort of go man for man there. Um, I think it's a really nice option. We've seen sort of what Thomas Tuchel's managed to do at Chelsea. Um, so if Brentford can use that as a sort of blueprint in any way, then I think that'll be exciting to see as the season mm. goes on. Yeah, we might chat about the central midfielders in a little bit, but I just want to pick up on Canos a little, um, just quickly, how important he is to this this three five two working. Um, I was just looking at FB Ref actually um, yesterday and today and just things that stood out. And... Um, uh, Canos has popped up with he's 13th overall for pressures in the league so that's like how much pressure you're putting on the opposition and trying to make them give the ball away he's um he's 13th for the the, the number of those um actions made and he's actually third in the whole league for defensive pressures which I think is just pretty incredible I mean last season we were we spoke about him a lot and he was he took a bit he's come back from a serious injury but he took a bit of a brunt as an attacking player because of how inefficient he was in front of goal or or what he was actually doing in the final third. But we've we've taken him away from that and he's turning into like one of the best right wing back players in the division. Um it's just interesting to see how he can how whether he can maintain that and um and push on throughout the entire season at the level he's hitting now. Like he's still a young player, he's still improving, but it'd be interesting to watch him. Um and just um just thinking about our best team and how he features in that now and how there's not a shadow of a doubt that he is, if if we're picking a side, he's always starting, but it's not in one of those four positions because we don't really play with those anymore. He's not going to get Mbemo's spot or Tony's spot or 
it's it's that wing back role where he's getting up and down and and, and helping us out there. Um, going on to like our best team, um, is there is there anyone on the bench that you think should be pushing for starts? Um, uh, uh, do we think we know we can name this starting eleven now week after week if everyone's fit, or is there a little bit more to it than that? For, for me at the moment, absolutely. I think it, it kind of reflects in Thomas Frank's uh, team selections at the moment, where we've only really changed one position, and that being that that more offensive midfielder next to Norgod and Janel. Um and we've got some very good uh, midfield options you know with Baptiste Godos and De Silva to come back and, and Jensen sorry so I mean that's a, that's a really big position that I think we look really really good going forward um, I think there's an argument that you know I think Mbwemo started the season off absolutely fantastically well but you know with Wissa I think really impressed his little cameos, so he's always going to be pushing, and especially if we kind of open up a little bit and go to that four three four three, that you know Wisser and you know Godos probably get more chances. But for the time being, I think we look really really settled. I think we've got a really good back to front um, structure, and at the moment, I, barring any injuries, you know, hopefully touch wood, no injuries. I can't really see t- too many wholesale changes at the moment. Mm. Yeah, Felix, you uh, you put forward Godos um, as a player that you probably thought might get a little bit more time. Um, he did a really good interview with Gold Bazan recently where he spoke about his own game, um, how he's got to this point, where he sees himself. And a couple of things stood out. He was talking about the depth of midfielders that Brentford have. It was almost like eight players into three positions. And um, a couple of them have their own sort of different personalities and styles and what they bring to the central midfield role. Um if you're looking at Onyeka, Norgard, Yanelt, it's hard to bring what they're bringing into the pitch. That they are, they're performing really well, and I think it is just that four position of Onyeka that seems the one up for grabs. Um, what do you think, Felix? Yeah, I mean, I don't dispute that any of the sort of three that have been keeping out the team in terms of the three that started against Liverpool, for example, uh, don't deserve to be starting ahead of him. I just, you know, I, he's a player I like. Um, this kind of the stat side of thing that I do as well. He always tends to show up quite well there. Um, so I just think it's unlucky that maybe there's not quite the the role within the balance of the team that might necessarily suit him. And, you know, maybe if that 3-4-3 gets played more, him him or um, Johan Visser could play in one of the, the three advanced positions alongside Mbwemo or Tony. But I just think it's a case of there is a lot of depth there. Um, so he is going to have to sort of have to make do with um, rotations in those mm. midfield positions um, for the time being but hopefully if he do, when he does get his chances he proves um, his quality ultimately and pushes for that starting place more often. Yeah, yeah because I think at the moment everything with the three-five-two is going well but that it could be that the longer this progresses that teams start to think about turning it the other way or, or, or putting more pressure on Rea as he looks long and, and the formation may need to change to counteract that it, it, it's very likely that could happen as the Premier League is um, is a higher quality league than a championship it would probably be quicker for teams to learn how you're playing than you'd expect um, last season to um, to affect us but is there anything on the tactical issue front that we're that we're sort of wary of I mean it's very positive at the moment but um, I think just in conversations that I've had and Jonathan I know we've messaged and stuff and thinking about this as well like um Brentford have played a lot of teams that have come at them so far, haven't they? There's been teams on the front foot who want to dominate the ball, especially like Liverpool and Arsenal particularly. Um, 
How, how do we see any issues with this team faring against a team that wants to sit deeper and sit off? I know Everton might um, adopt um, adopt that style, or a team pressing higher, or a team not taking initiative. Is there any is there any concerns around that? Yeah, I can, I can see why that's a point. I think certainly just through my, through my group of my friends and family. I think what we were talking about is kind of how do we respond when we go one nil down against a side. Um, in, in, in any game, and I think um, the Liverpool game, obviously, I think doesn't wasn't really a, a true reflection of that because I think with Liverpool, they're you know they're so good going offensively. They almost when they went three two up, they were more than happy to still be open, try and allow us to come at them, and they were, their transition going forward with obviously Salah and Mane, you know they're so good. But I think it will be obviously a bit of a different kettle of fish when it comes to the likes of you know your your West Ham's, your Burnleys, who are going to go and drop into a low block um, and just sit in if they do go a goal up or uh, goal up against us. So obviously that that's I think that's something that is to come. Um, hopefully not this Sunday because um, we're going to go and win three 0 on Sunday, so that won't happen. But um, yeah, it is something that will inevitably happen at some time and it will be interesting to see how we kind of adapt. Will it be a case of we go to a four or back or we have a th- we just go with as a sort as, as a three but our wing backs are more or less playing as, you know, very, very high and you know, whereas we've got Norgard and Yenel, does perhaps one of them come out and we have just go a little bit more offensive? So that's all all the all the things to come. That 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 question hasn't been answered yet. So it will be interesting. Mm. Yeah, just interesting to see how the the Raya Tony um like pass and route getting forward has been quite good so far, hasn't it? It's worked out well for us. But I think as a team sits off a little bit further and Tony is, has more people challenging him around him, the knockdowns are blocked off a little bit and it, it sort of kept, it keeps coming back at you. Um so we have to keep an eye on that. But so far, I mean the more teams that come at us, the better, I think. Um but we'll see how that we'll see how that progresses. Um I've yeah, I've got a couple of favourites that I've been watching and thinking they're doing a really good job. It's hard to pick them out. But is there any is there any players that um you think are just pivotal for us to to keep playing well? Um I know we've mentioned Canos, he's really important, but is there any others that are standing out, guys? Um I think the the centre backs, um, with the three you've got, you know, Ayer, Pinnick and Pontus Janssen, I think it's key that at least two of those out of three turn up and have a big performance every week. I think if you're gonna play a three at the back in the Premier League, you can't just have one who's sort of on their game every week, especially when you've got sort of the two wide ones having to defend the central areas, but also that channel uh, in between where the wing back's going to be and sometimes the space in behind. Um, you know, probably a little bit more comfortable for IA. He played right back a little bit at Celtic, um, so he's probably going to be okay there, but maybe on the left it could be more of an issue. But I think you've got to have two of those three centre backs turning in a, a solid enough performance every week for that system to keep working against you know, the very good teams in the Premier League Jonathan anything on your side yeah I completely echo Felix's comments you know the, the back the back five have got to really really turn out every week and which they do you know I think I think Pontus Janssen at the moment is really um, playing out of his skin at the moment I think he's marshalling that back five so so well I think Ethan Pinnock's a guaranteed seven, eight, 7 out of 10 8 out of 10 each week Um and I was just showing he's got a, he's so good defensively, but also gives us that outlet going forward. Um, yeah, just as a solid base, you know, I think the players know that they're 
not going to have as much of the ball going forward. They've got to work so hard off the ball and we have to take our chances uh, when we get them. So everyone has a part to play. Everyone knows that they have to kind of chip in. Uh, we can't afford that sort of um, that luxury player in in this squad. We uh, that just you can see our starting eleven each week. We don't have that player. Everyone has to work very very hard off the ball, but then has to come alive when they're on the ball. So um, yeah, it's and yeah, they they just they're playing out their skins. It's almost like a cup final each week um, because at the end of the day, we are still you know small small club and these players have got aspirations you know for me the likes of Ivan Tony and he could be playing for England uh, in the not distant future so they've got a point to prove every single week when they go out and they're they're playing against top opposition and that's where they want to be um and they're just showing that at the moment um, and long may that continue yeah they're doing really well so far i think that moves us nicely into the next um the next section. So, Felix, when you joined us earlier in the year, we were talking, um, we were specifically looking at midfielders for that episode. Um, and we didn't, um, it was a recruitment series, but for midfielders, we, we didn't do too much on it because we felt like it was just such, it was an area where we were just so stocked. And we we did include Frank Onyeka in it because it was like the worst kept secret in the world that he was joining. So we knew he was coming. So we reviewed Onyeka a little bit. Um we we came to the conclusion, just looking at your your numbers and then looking at these players from a scouting perspective, that um, a few of them, like quite a few of them, would make the step up quite nicely. How have you, um, just looking back on that, how would you um, review sort of what you inferred back then to what you're seeing now? Um, you know, a broken clock is sort of right twice a day at least. Um, no, I'm I'm really happy with so what I've watched of Brentford so far. I've watched sort of two and a half of the six games in full and yeah I just think that that word balance just always comes to mind I think in the Premier League yes the the quality is really high but the quality is by and large especially sort of from fifth down to even 15th 16th there's a, a good general quality but it's really about having a good spread of different attributes throughout your team and being able to attack teams in different ways, being able to problem solve and come up with different game plans to be specific opposition. And I think with that midfield three, for instance, that started against Liverpool, Onyeka, Norgard and, and Yenout, there is a really nice balance. There's a nice range of attributes. They can defend, they can progress the ball forward, um, potentially provide goal threats. You've got different options off the bench as well in Baptiste and Godos, like we mentioned. And I just think having that blend and being able to tailor that midfield to specific oppositions to be able to counter different threats, maybe play a trio in there one game or play a sitting pair in another is really important to try and maximise the points you can mm. get in the Premier League. Yeah, you have um, you have a couple of um, models that you've built and... Um, uh, things on the statistical side uh, you say you've had in terms of players you had Brentford around 12th to 16th this season how do you how do you think that's looking is it is it on course or do you think they're going to surpass what you thought um I think if they come at the top end of that which is 12th that's a, a really good season given that there was quite a scrap to finish just inside the top half at the end of um last season and then you've got sort of um teams like Brighton 
pushing to move into that top 10 as well this season. So I think if they can come anywhere in around that 11th, 12th spot in the first season in the Premier League, that's a, a really good achievement. You know, there's a the signs are all pointing towards it so far. You know, good points after the first six games, um, a positive XG differential. That's not the be-all and end-all, but it's certainly an indicator that points in the, the right direction of things being on the good side. So... No, I think it's been a really good start. If this can be maintained, and like we said, as long as they don't get figured out, then I, I think that that twelfth spot is definitely within the upper reaches of what's mm. possible this season. Yeah, Jonathan. So Will Gore's messaged in, and he said, um, it's, "This is less of a question, more of an observation." It seems our performances have gone up a level this season, and the less hectic fixture schedule compared to the championship surely has a lot to do with it as Thomas and Brian get more time on the training ground with the squad. So, yeah, you'd, you'd have watched with me as well the championship and watched us play a lot and um, the type of games we were getting. Um, do you think there is something in that, in this this less frenetic, this less hectic schedule? And then even in the games themselves, like there's a bit more of a... Is there a bit more of a calming nature of the play or... It, what can you is he is he onto something there will yeah yeah i suppose it's a it's it's a it's a valid point um obviously you know when there isn't a midweek game obviously you've got more or less a week or, or so to to prepare for the next game so obviously preparations is, is there um essentially and recovery time um can be done selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. 
no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. More uh, efficiently, you know, I, I can imagine the players are probably getting maybe one or two more days off um, during the week as opposed to last last season um, in the championship where, you know, they'd probably be uh, off on the Sunday but straight back in on Monday because they've got a game on Tuesday, whereas perhaps they're probably having more of a Sunday, Monday off. And then they've still got, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to go and prepare. Um, but I think it's also really, really needed as well. Just from the last few games that we've watched in the Premier League, it has been exasperating. And it is, the intensity is so, so high. Um, the, the, I'd love to, to see the, the kilometres per game compared to the, to what we were doing uh, this year to last year. We're running, must be running so much more uh, off the ball, especially. And I think that, and you can see that, you can physically see that um, coming last five minutes uh, into games, we are, you know, we're, you know, running on second gear. We are knackered, you know, uh, in a good way, in a good way. And they are dead on their feet come the full-time whistle. And that recovery time really, really needs to occur. And uh, thankfully, we don't have too many Tuesday nights uh, because the way we're going is just, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't see that intensity being able to be maintained on a Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday uh, basis. So um, I think it's definitely a valid point and I can only see it helping going forward. Yeah, I definitely remember on a couple of occasions the coaches moaning about... Um just not being able to prepare and train and it's just sort of ticking over to to cope with the schedule obviously we had covid and then um, everything was a little bit condensed but it, it does look like we're we're a heavily coached team and we have a plan and um we're executing it so yeah maybe we've needed this premier league breather in terms of the games a little bit slower and it's it's helping us a lot um, in terms of the fitness side of things as well, like the intensity, you're, you're definitely right. It's, it's clear, isn't it, how much more you need to play in this at this division. And if you, if anyone hasn't listened to the Salman Godos interview on Gold Bazan, I'd definitely recommend it because he speaks about, he's quite candid, he speaks about um, the intensity levels of how they've gone up from Championship to, to Premier League in terms of what's required of them in training. I don't know if he's supposed to reveal this. I don't know if he's actually, if <laughs> you might get a little smack on the list, on the wrist afterwards, but it's too late now. It's out and about. But um, he basically spoke about, uh, so in the Premier League, um, we'll, I'll go from the Championship. So basically they have this hundred, this um, 1K time trial type thing. Um, and uh, he, what they require from them is they need to be able to hit it in the Championship at three minutes, 18 but in the Premier League, that's gone up four seconds. They need to be four seconds faster and they need to be able to do it in three minutes, 14. And um, the way he describes it, he's, he's, he was saying they're all dead on their feet. It's a real test of um, aerobic fitness. And they're just... Uh, I think you'd still be counting if I started last week. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably be pretty bad. My running's not great at the moment. Um, but yeah, it, it sounds like he's they're all tuned in and this is just to get on the pitch like if you're not hitting this there's you're not even ready for selection so i think that's that's a bit of a filtration system um so it, it's definitely the intensity is up and you need to be fitter and you need to be making these sprints and recovering faster because you just get punished so much that's what he kept saying punishment is just every second around the corner 
whereas in these other leagues you kind of can get away with it um but yeah it was just an interesting observation from will gore and i think i agree actually i think he's um He's definitely onto something there. The coaches are benefiting from a little bit of a slower schedule, but at the same time, they need to be coaching the team harder because this intensity is just upped a little bit more. Um, okay, moving on a little bit now. Uh, let's pick out another question, actually, just um, just whilst we're here looking at these. So beside myself, he's messaged in and he's saying, um, how can we get more creativity into our team without losing the defensive stability, which seems to be plan A? So be hard to beat. Um, how do we move it on to the next stage? Uh, Felix, what do you think about that one? Uh, firstly, great Twitter name. But also, I think it really is just a, a question of time. Um, you can't come up and expect to play gung-ho football. I mean, I know Leeds sort of did it last year, but again, that's under a sort of a world-class coach who's been renowned for doing it for 20-plus years. We've seen the struggles that Norwich have had of trying to replicate pretty much pass for pass the football that they play in the championship in one and now a second Premier League campaign and we've seen that can't exactly bear fruit straight away. Sometimes a little bit of a pragmatism and just being able to sit in and go, okay, we're, n- we're going to have nowhere near as much of the ball as we, we did in the championship. Can we be efficient with the possession that we're going to have and can we make sure that we're solid, we're tough to beat, we can beat these teams that are on much bigger budgets by just being solid, frustrating them. And once you then acclimatise to the level of the Premier League, because it is a massive jump, once you've got past that sort of acclimatisation stage, you're feeling more confident, you've survived maybe a season, that extra TV money starts coming in, you can start to spend perhaps a little bit more on players. be interesting to see if that is the line that Brentford do go down, given the path that's led them to here. Um, then you can start to say, okay, we've survived, we've built a good platform, how can we then expand on this? But there's no point trying to expand until you've sort of built that platform first, if that makes sense. Yeah, bang on, I think I agree with that. I think creativity is a weird word as well. I think um, it's easy to think of Brentford as like three or three, three and a half, four years ago, where it was pass, 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 try and prize open, pass, pass, keep going, try and get open. And um, Sawyer's epitomised it, didn't he? There was just so much passing going on. It was it was almost like, for the sake of it, we weren't getting anywhere. And now I think we're more, we're a more dangerous dangerous team. I think in this first six games, I think, I think we've got the highest conversion of chances on target into goals. I think we're at 50% of shots on target that have turned into goals, which is pretty remarkable if we can keep that up for a bit longer. I don't think we will, but... That's what that's what we're looking at now. We've eased up on that creativity and a bit more of that speed getting forward and that directness moving up the pitch when there aren't enough players settled in the opposition's half and um, we're getting good chances away. Do, do you think that's... Um, does that rack up with you as well, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think um, how we've kind of gone into the season is it's inevitably paying off because I think... Um, you know, you look at the likes of Norwich as you, as you just as, as you mentioned. You know, they haven't really adapted. They kind of have that one philosophy, and they're going to stick by it, and they're going to live and die by the sword. Um, maybe they'll get out of this situation. Maybe they won't. But you know, I like the way that we've adapted. I like the way that you know we've gone. You know, actually, I don't think this will work for us. Maybe it's uh, the personnel. Maybe we just um, we don't think we can go man one v one individually. 
um, against these other teams. So therefore, we're going to have to adapt our style. And that's what we've done. Um, I think Brighton are actually a very, very good example of a side that, um, yes, I know they've had change of managers, but they came into the division. They kind of, they I thought they were more of a, a passing side, maybe a little bit more direct to what we was in the, in the championship, but they they had a style, they could play good football. They had to come into the Premier they had to kind of adapt. They kind of saw out the wave, if you like, and now they've kind of, they're a settled Premier League side, they're established Premier League side, and now you're kind of seeing the fruits of that last few years, just kind of now they're opening up. They have a style of play where they're, they're very possession-based and they have, they're kind of just adding that little bit more creativity and that comes from time from obviously the money that they're, they're they're gaining from being in the Premier League for all this time so they're they're bearing fruits and that's potentially how we may look um in the near future hopefully hopefully that's how we how we will look and there's a set plan and hopefully that's how it will bear fruit uh yeah Brighton that's a, that's a really good point as well I think um when Hewton was chucked out the door, there was all of the usual, oh, how could you do it to such a nice guy? But he wasn't really taking them on to the next level. And it was time. They'd stabilised, hadn't they? They'd they'd built and they'd got their structure and they were ready to move on. And I mean, if anyone was telling you that Hewton should, should have stayed in his role ahead of what Potter's doing now, they, I don't think you'll find many of those people knocking around. And, and what Hewton's <laughs> doing at Forest. I well, I wasn't. I wasn't going to. Should I say before <laughs> I wasn't going to double. I wasn't going to double down on him. But uh, you're right, Felix. Yeah, he's proved. Um, he's proved that and these roles are, are tough, and it's it's cutthroat, and the game moves on really quickly. Um, but another point, I, I think I'm thinking because you mentioned Norwich as well. It's um, besides myself. What he's getting at is he wants to see more flowing and more creativity, but. What I think Brentford have been doing for the last year or so, or two years especially, has been um, has been learning to play a bit more as the underdog in matches and building for Premier League football like that. So Norwich, Norwich have got no idea how to play as a, as the defensive team. They, they've just they've just been built to play as the better team in every match and just keep it, pass it, pass it, and try and prize teams open. And they haven't really developed an off the ball system where they can sit off and soak up pressure. And it's it's going to be their downfall. Whereas Brentford you don't feel like they've given up on the creativity and the and the bits we are excited by for just a bit more robustness and staying in games and um and yeah here here we are we're we're sort of after the first six games there's a stark difference between Norwich and us and almost you could say it leads as well we were having a little chat beforehand about the teams that are working well enough off the ball and getting getting it right but um yeah, it's a, it's a fine balance. I think that's a really good point. I think that's why Huddersfield managed to stay up um, mm. for the first season a couple of years ago, despite everyone thinking it could have been you know, another Derby 2008 side, because they were an underdog when they were in the championship and they came up as underdogs. Um, you know, And I was surprised kind of when Cardiff came up for those couple of seasons that they were able to do better because they had a plan in place for when they were going to have the ball in the championship, but they also had a style in the championship where they managed to play without a lot of the ball. And I think not being able to adapt quickly to losing maybe 10 to 15% of the possession per game that you get in the championship is huge because A, you can't implement your game plan as much and B, you've got to be a lot more efficient with the ball that you do have and if you can't combine those two things, you're kind of doomed from the start really. Richard McDougall messaged in and said, massively impressed Ivaya so far. He's fast, pushes forward, um, overlaps, can get crosses in, he's good in the air and covers behind him really well. Um, 
how much of our success is due to him and what would we do if he gets injured or suspended? He thinks, Sir Richard thinks, the one position without an obvious replacement. What do you think of that, Felix? Um, I mean, I, I could sort of go into my rant as to why Premier League teams aren't um, more inclined to buy players from Celtic and Rangers, but I'll, I'll park that for a minute. And it's, yeah, I think he's done really well. And I think, again, it's players coming down from Celtic um, proving that they can play in the Premier League. We've seen it with two players already this season in Ayer and Odson Edward at Crystal Palace that playing at that high level in a sort of second tier European league means that usually you are, if you're in one of the top two or three teams in one of those leagues, you can make the step up to the Premier League. And I think he's proved that so far. I thought he was really good against Liverpool um, at the weekend. You know, he had had the injury and then literally two minutes later was making a really good goal line clearance. I think, as I said before, he really suits that right centre-back role in a, a back three. He's got experience playing at right back for um, Celtic. You know, a key part of this quite exciting young Norwegian generation, part of the spine of that team that's hopefully going to go on to do many bright things. And I think, you know, we've said it many times, I'm sure, over the last few years, it's another really smart piece of recruitment from the uh, the people at Brentford. So, yeah, I've been really impressed with what I've seen so far. Yeah, he featured on our um, Defenders podcast when we were looking at scouting and recruitment Um he just stood out like a sore thumb up at Celtic. Jake was the one that put him forward and we just chatted about him. Um, yeah, a, a quality player. And it looks a little bit like he's playing within himself as well. I think there's more on the ball and I think there's more, um, what I'm going to call aggressiveness, like um, progressive aggressiveness, I guess, in his game, which he's still holding back on a little bit just to give us a bit more stability. Um, how formidable is he in the ground, um, Jonathan? He's a big boy, isn't he? Yeah, I has been... Um, exceptional so far um, I love that he has that sort of old school centre half feel about him um, I think the Palace game was just you know when he did that tackle on Zaha and it went out for a goal kick and he celebrated oh like that is fan favourite right there that's that's fan favourite material um, but just on that side he, he does that you know the goal line clearances but He's so good on the ball, like he loves to get forward. That's probably where he feels more comfortable, if anything. Um, he looks like you just take the reins off him and he goes. Like he's like just a bulldog terrier, he just he's just straight down that line. Um and yeah, he's he, he's he's been brilliant. He you know, my, my my dad's who's been going for God knows how many years since you know, since the fifties and sixties, he he says he's he's very, very um Herman Horidison sort of mould. Uh, in that and um I was probably a bit too young for him but just that similar mold where you know he's a, he's a centre half but brings the ball out um and creates chances probably I think will probably score goals as well when given time but yeah again he's another one that I think you can see like with I was talking about stepping stones it, it won't be long before he's playing in in the top 7 um in the Premier League or you know one of the top sides in Europe so yeah another real gem on our hands yeah he he looks like he's got he's got another step up in him hasn't he I think um, if he, if Brentford can keep hold of him for another couple of years you'd just wonder where um, he could take Brentford himself but um, yeah we'll be keeping an eye on that one uh, there was an alternative I was thinking um, yes Jorgensen sorry yeah how he would fit into the back line I think that'd have to be a rejig because he doesn't have the athleticism to probably play on that right side uh, RCB free position he's not really that type of player he needs to be a bit more 
stable and whether there'd be a little bit of a shift around and whether we would see the the back four come out and um and try and organize everyone in front behind um in front of that um what do you think of that jonathan where do you think he'd fit in just just from the cameos that we've seen him from jorgensen he has that sort of old-fashioned center half sort of feel to him um he, he's not a light for light from Ayer. um so obviously if we were to lose Ayer, you'd have to kind of adapt your style but yeah, Jorgensen, I, I feel he's more of a, a centralised player, probably more in the, would feel more comfortable in the Pontus Janssen role, uh, just sitting in between the two centre-halves. Um, but yeah, he, he looks assured on the ball. He, he seems like a more of a, that sort of step up from, you know, when we signed Winston Reid, that sort of cover cover centre-half. Hopefully we won't see him too much because I think the three at the back so far have been exceptional and, we want that long may that continue, but yeah, Jorgensen just looks again another shrewd acquisition that's going to come in, do a job for us, um, and hopefully help us on our way. Yeah, another little shrewd acquisition, definitely. Um, yeah, you're, I think you're right as well. Much more of a positional defender. You don't really, you don't want to keep much space behind him. You just want him to be sitting there, and hopefully, he can just clean the box up and um, and do well from us in a in a deep perspective. Um, yeah, good stuff. Okay, we're going to move on to a little section called Stat Sweet Bees Premier League Honey. The problem with this section is I think I've just reeled off what I was going to say about um, Serge, well, Sergi Canos was the bit. I said it earlier in the show. I think it's just a good section to look at some interesting stats and how the numbers are pointing in a direction or not. Um, it just stood out like a sore thumb to me. When you're looking at who's making the most pressures in the league, um, especially in the defensive third, Sergi Canos being third in that was just pretty incredible i think um i've described him before as like he's a, he's a bit more of a he's a bit more of a defensive winger than an attacking winger he's very erratic and all we've done is take that that aptitude and like aggressiveness off the ball and and moved it into a defensive area and it's come up trumps for us um i think Mbemo's surprising a few people as well up front just off tony moving into that central position um he's fifth in the league for attacking third pressures and the only people are beating him are like the biggest Pressing forwards in the league like um, uh, Danny Ings, I think. Um, I'm not sure if Kane's up there. I'm not sure, but there's there's a there's a few of like the usual suspects. Bamford's up there as well. Um, but from Mbemo to be tucked in fifth up there shows that we're getting a lot out of him. Um, I don't think Tony's too far behind in sort of like twelfth or thirteenth. But us having that deep system where we are compact throughout the middle, and then having two forwards that are pressing the way these two do. Is kind of, we're kind of getting away with it a little bit at the moment. I don't know how long they can they can keep this up, but it's been a big part of why we haven't been easy to get through from teams just building up and just playing straight through us. We're we're forcing teams out wide and we're we're forcing them back well, even um even down to ten men against Wolves. So yeah, long may that continue too. Um, is there anything interesting you've seen, Felix? Um, yeah, I did. I had another a poke around FBF as well, and there were a few kind of interesting little things I found. Um, so one thing that stood out sort of straight away was that Brentford have only played just over 200 more short passes than they've they've played long, which I th- I think is quite a heavy ratio compared to what most teams will play. And I think that that goes back to what we were saying earlier that yes, there's defenders and deep midfielders that are, are comfortable on the ball, but also they're not afraid of going long that rare to Tony route worked really well against Liverpool I thought in particular um and again it just it just all feeds back into that being being comfortable with doing different things 
Um, so yes, obviously the short passes are important and generally tend to dominate the majority of possession. But being able to go long, pin the opponents back, um, especially with a striker who's as good in the areas as Ivan Tony is, that's really important as well. And then sort of looking at sort of the chance creation numbers, um, Canos and Rico Henry stick out like two sore thumbs in terms of chance creations. You were talking about the presses before, but uh, I think it's over twenty shot creating actions between the pair of them, which is by far and away two of the three highest in the squad. I think Tony's the other one. Um, so I think a shot creating action is a, either of the two actions that then lead to a shot being taken. Um, so it just shows that they're being able to you know, link play, but also put crosses in, um, and also pressures are counted in that as well. So you know, trying to turn the ball over high up the pitch um, is really interesting to see. And then the shots themselves, um, one of only three teams in the league that's taken less than 10 shots per game. Now you two probably will be able to tell me better than I can whether that is a case of not being able to get the shots off or is it more of a case of being quite selective with the shots I mean the average shot distance is quite low so that tends to imply shots have been taken in the box a lot of shots from set pieces as well probably um, so, so I just thought that was interesting to note that they're not having a lot of shots but they do tend to be sort of quite close in when they are having them so whether that's a case of selectiveness or just not being able to create those chances I'm not sure but uh, no those are just a few of the things that I picked out there mm. Jonathan do you want to follow up on the shots what do you think yeah just from a visual point of view I think it's definitely more selective um, than anything else I think you can see that our objective is just to get the ball as close to the goal as possible give us the best opportunity I think um, it's really noticeable as well when you look at our set pieces yeah we've got our, our routine but Rarely do we have a shot from you know outside the box. We're always looking to try and create something, trying to draw the opposition out to try and work our way into the box and uh, get a shot off. Um, and yeah, maybe it also comes down to personnel. Maybe apart from general, maybe you know, there's a, there's a reluctance to kind of have a shot from distance, and we have a certain way of doing things, and we just want to get into the box um, as a more of a preference. So. Yeah, I think that's. I think it is more selective. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I think there's been a couple of pops off from the edge of the box, but Tony's strike from the halfway line, I think, against Brighton was really like obviously taking the mick a bit. But no, it feels um, it feels selective. It feels like when we're getting opportunities, we've got them because we've worked up the pitch well, or we've got up there really quickly and we're we're taking close in shots because. Yeah, we we just know there's more value in those, and um, we're converting them as well. Like when I said earlier, like we've got a really good our shots on target conversion ratio is really high, and that's because we're presented with chances um, that are good. We're not just we're not just popping the ball off for no reason. Um, yeah, so so I think unlike another team, I think who are in that list as well, like with less than ten per game. Um, I don't think it's us because we're struggling. I think it is actually because we're selecting the opportunities. And and also, probably what else needs to be thought about as well is, is game state at this early stage because we're only six games in. So Brentford have scored first, I think, in a lot of these games. So you've you almost got something to protect. So you don't need to be going after these teams. Um, against Arsenal, we were 2-0 up. Against Villa, we scored first. I know they equalised pretty quickly. Um, Brighton was a bit cagey. Um, there's always... It's almost been the way these games have gone have allowed Brentford to just sit in that shape and not 
not go too mad. I mean, Liverpool was the first time we actually had to come out and do something because we went behind and we proved that we can do it when we want to. So I don't think there's anything to worry about in that respect. Um, but yeah, just one other thing as well. I think um, just getting up to that Brighton match, we hadn't been behind for a single minute until until Trossard's late goal in like the 90th minute, which is which is a pretty incredible feat. I don't think... Um, I don't think many people would have thought we'd come up with one of the best defences in the league who didn't know too much about Brentford. I think the keener watchers may have may have suspected this was this was going to go on, but um yeah, it's just um it's just really impressive. But yeah, that's been great. I, I think because we've been so efficient with our time, we've got time to chat a little bit about West Ham. That's the upcoming game this weekend. Um Felix, do you want to kick us off with West Ham? Yeah, so I think this is going to be quite an interesting game because I think if, you know, Brentford have got a lot of players who are good in the air and I think if there's going to be a team that are going to really take the fight to Brentford in the air and from set pieces, it's going to be West Ham. So I think, you know, from my point of view, from a neutral point of view, watching those set piece battles, those aerial battles, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I mean, the guy for me who sticks out every time I watch West Ham is Thomas Suchek. I sort of fell in love with him as soon as they signed him on loan um, in the nineteen twenty season. And then was really good then, and then obviously had a really good productive goal scoring season last year. It's just so integral. Reminds me, of, you know, David Moyes um, when he used to coach Everton. He reminds me of that Marouane Fellaini role started as a sort of deeper midfielder, but ended up becoming this almost def- not defensive pivot, but a defensive midfielder who you could push forward and be a, a nuisance, be an aerial threat. Would get goals, could you know, kind of link up with the striker, you know, Antonio himself, so a good aerial presence, and just sort of this dynamic box-to-box midfielder who pops up with goals now and then, works really well on the defensive side with Declan Rice, and I think if he can sort of exploit any little bits of space that he gets, that could be one of the real dangers for Brentford this weekend, um, and then obviously it would be sort of remiss to talk about the return of. Saeed Ben Rama. Yeah, yeah. I, I think watching him a little bit this year, he looks like um, he's bulked up a little bit, and his upper body's gone on a little bit more, and um, he can hold a hold a player off a little bit more dangerous positions now. Um, he's definitely improved as a player, like just coming on again. So we, um, yeah, we need to be wary about him in that central pocket and just drifting and then coming in again as well. Um, yeah, West Ham are a good team. I think I had reservations about Moyes, but he's proving me and a lot of others wrong that he set up a yeah set up a really strong defensive team. And then if you look at his forwards, he's got some talented forwards there. They haven't really West Ham since they've moved a bit more onto the analytical side of their recruitment. They haven't made many mistakes. And you, you think about Bowen, Ben Rama, Antonio. They um, they got rid of Haller who probably didn't suit them they tried but got rid of him quickly um Antonio's yeah easily one of the best forwards in the league and um really hard to stop I think he went past Shackleton last weekend against Leeds as if he wasn't there I mean Shackleton may as well have just not been there um it was just the touch the power to get past him um and then scoring the goal it's it's going to be hard to stop I think we'll have a little bit more behind the ball than um, than Leeds did on the weekend, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a scary game, and um, if we can keep um, if we can keep some of those forwards quiet and then nick something on the other side, we'd have done very well. Um, okay, yeah, I think um, I think that's pretty good, guys. Um, is there anything else you want to chat about before we um, before we start to close up? No, I, I think uh, it's 
been a really successful start for Brentford. Long may it continue from from a neutral perspective for me as long as there's uh, <laughs> points in it for Everton coming yeah. the season. <laughs> no chance, yeah. Um, brilliant stuff. Yeah, there you have it. We've squeezed in a bit of West Ham as well. Um, thanks so much to the guys, um, Felix and Jonathan. Um, Felix, just remind us, first of all, um, where we can find you online and some of your... Um, uh, your LGOP stuff? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at LGOP Felix um, and we have a website as well www.lgop.co.uk so I'm always kind of posting bits from my player rating model players past and present you can always request some as well um, so if you like football players and lots of numbers and colourful charts telling you all about them then uh, come and give me a follow Thanks. yeah brilliant stuff yeah I'm lucky enough to chat to you both I love chatting to you it's been great um, yeah we should do it more often and uh, try and get a bit more regular regular chats going it'd be brilliant um, yeah thanks a lot guys for joining us um, remember the watchword is B's Tactical view the Substack. stack um, review the podcast um, wherever you get your podcast share the podcast support the Patreon um that leaves me to say thank you to Felix and Jonathan again and yeah come on bees let's beat West Ham and we'll catch you next time Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.